welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Hello and welcome to episode 33. This episode is kind of special to me. We're going to be talking about how it can never happen to me and how it'll never happen to me and the fallacy that that is. And, you know, so oftentimes people don't really give their personal safety enough credence because they have that mentality. They have that uh, thought process. It'll never happen to me. Hey. And so in this episode, we're going to talk to six folks who've each got unique stories of their own to tell that actually is to the contrary. These are friends of mine, folks I know, even a coworker in the mix. And fortunately, nothing super terrible happened to any one of them. They all got away unscathed, but each of them have their own stories. And so that's what we're going to do in this episode is allow these folks, including myself and five other people to tell their stories. You know, there's a, I love psychological psychology types things. And there's a bias called the optimism bias, and according to the, uh, and I know this is an abstract uh, resource of information, but according to the Eastern Kentucky University, um, I guess it's their psychology degree area on their website, they say this about optimism bias. Optimism bias is the belief that each of us is more likely to experience good outcomes and less likely to experience bad outcomes. The key to optimism bias is that we disregard the reality of an overall situation because we think we are excluded from the potential negative effects. And again, this is from the psych uh, portion of the Eastern Kentucky University website. And I think that really sums it up really well in that I think so often people uh, are uh, apathetic, but when they're not apathetic, they're thinking, you know, they're, they're struck by the optimism bias. And so they think it will never happen to me or it can't ever happen to me, but we're going to talk uh, to the contrary of that uh, in this episode with our stories. So uh, we had uh, five guests, um, and I tell my stories that I have as well, which is coming up next. But at the end of uh, each conversation, when folks told their stories, I asked everyone the same four questions, and that's these. Did you see it coming? Would you have thought such a thing could happen at the time? What might could you have done differently or would you have done differently? How has this affected how you think about and go about your personal safety? And so with that, we'll get started. We're talking about things that can happen, even though we think it can't happen or it'll never happen to me. And I'm here to tell you that's not all the way it's the case. And hopefully after listening to these series of stories, you'll better understand that it can happen and it can happen to any of us at any time. But I want to tell you my stories briefly. So as a kid, and, and most of my stories took place when I was much younger. And I think that happens just because we're, less in tune with our surroundings and we don't think things can happen to us and some of that invincibility that youth has right when i was growing up i was bullied and burglarized and um you know both when i was in the boy scouts and in 
elementary school and even up through middle school, I was bullied, you know, punched in the arms in the bathroom, gouged in the ribs at the water cooler while I was getting drinks, you know, whatever, poked fun of in the Boy Scouts, whatever. And, you know, for me, it was just a part of life and uh, didn't make me feel good at all. You know, didn't get the absolute shit kicked out of me or anything like that. But definitely some people uh, saw that I was probably someone that was going to be easy to take advantage of and probably was going to take it. Because I've always been, as the infamous Rodney Dangerfield said, I've, I've always been a lover, not a fighter. And I guess people have seen that in me, you know, especially when I was younger. So I went through some of that and it doesn't make you feel good at all. But at the same time, because for me, it was just normal. And it's not that it happened every day or regularly or all the time, but it was just a fact of matter of fact for me. And so, you know, I took it as part of life. And I would just say that, you know, this idea that bullying is going to go away or change that's like saying that I'm going to change all of human behavior. So I don't think that bullying is going to go away or evaporate. I, th- I do think it's up to the parents of those bullies to instill some better choices in their children. But, <clears throat> you know, I think it's just a natural almost rite of passage when it happens. And I know it's serious and I don't want to upset those that are dealing with it with their children on a much more serious level today than maybe I dealt with it. That's not at all. I know it's a serious problem, but it is in a large degree, in my opinion, a rite of passage because it is human nature. And some of those people that are okay doing it, you know, they've, they're setting their paths in life too, just like those of us on the receiving end of it. But I would encourage you to reach out to your children and talk to them. And when and if your children come to you, be willing to turn off the TV, set down the smartphone and listen to them and ask questions and support them. Because uh, I do believe where it happens, it is going to continue to happen to some degree or another. And it's just kind of part of life, but it's incumbent upon us to be there to listen and to support where we can and to shut that stuff down if it gets out of hand. So I want to say that and leave you on that note. Um, And then growing up in our house, we were in a decent part of town until it wasn't anymore. But I can remember a couple of times growing up, we were burglarized, burglarized twice, uh, two times parents at work, us in school, whatever, babysitters, whatever. And uh, the house got broken into. And at the time, we didn't have a security system that predated security systems. I mean, there was a time, I think, when I was real young, where you could go off and leave your windows open and the doors open, you know, just the screen door shut when you went to the grocery store or whatever, you know, there was a time where you could leave your house open and slowly but surely things change, right? Dare I say evolve, because I wouldn't say they really evolved necessarily. But, you know, there were days of being more relaxed, I guess, in the overall scheme of things, especially by today's standards. And so we were burglarized twice. I remember I was probably between, I'll say, just to cover six and nine. And the first time we were burglarized, we were absolutely wiped out. I can remember telling a buddy of mine last night, I was talking to him about it. And I think 
aside from the house itself and the furniture, they got everything. I mean everything. And it was obviously a pro job. Um, I remember I had a few dollars in allowance for whatever reason. I had a few bucks in my little wallet that I kept and we had gone somewhere and my wallet was on top of the refrigerator had six seven eight dollars and it wasn't much whatever it was it doesn't matter they found that took my cash left my wallet of course who would want a kid's wallet so rightfully so right but the other thing they did that i remember is that my mom had this diamond cross necklace that she used to wear sterling silver white gold whatever it was little fine chain necklace and then on the end it had a white gold uh cross with diamonds and what it, whenever it was that this happened, my mom had taken that necklace off because she didn't want to wear it on a trip or whatever it was we were doing. And she wadded it up. In a, if I remember right, she wadded it up in a paper toweling and stuck it in the freezer. OK, who does that? Right. But, you know, at the time she I should probably learn. I should probably ask her where she learned that technique from. But they got that necklace. They got that necklace. So it was very apparent after the fact that they knew what they were doing. All of my dad's guns were gone. All of my mom's jewelry was gone. Even her costume jewelry, which was pretty fancy pants stuff at the time, I guess. I don't know anything about it, but they wiped it all out. I mean, they they basically took, again, they took everything but clothes and furniture, TV, stereo, you name it, they got it. And um, that was pretty devastating for us. And then we got burglarized again uh, a few years after that. And they got some stuff, but were not as thorough. Didn't seem to be as, um, you know, capable or on the time schedule that the previous group had been. I don't know. Um, so yeah, after the second time, my dad decided that, uh, he was going to put in a security system and, you know, that was in the early days of security systems that would have been, uh, early eighties probably I'm guessing. But anyway, he finally put in a security system and then we had to deal with the infamous false alarm from time to time. But yeah, that's, that's my story. Bur bullied and burglarized. So again, in the spirit of having an apathetic attitude or thinking things can never happen to you or won't happen to you or can't happen to you because of where you live or how you choose to live your life. It's absolutely a, a false sense of security because i'm telling you right now things bad things can happen to people and we're just lucky they're not worse than what they are um for those of us that are around to tell the stories so you know some questions that i'm asking everyone else is did we see it coming well no uh, i mean how would we know and see when our house was going to be burglarized you don't necessarily pe see people when they're casing your home uh, so we never saw it happening. And, you know, I didn't go into school every day thinking that I was going to get bullied because if I did or could have stood up better for myself, I guess at the time, I, I probably would have thwarted that as best as I could. So I didn't see any of that coming. I never thought that any such a thing would have happened because as a child, you know, you don't think about your home being burglarized. So no, I didn't see it coming. And 
would I have thought such a thing could have happened? Well, I guess I was cognizant of there being bad guys in the world, but again, I never saw it coming and never thought it, I guess, never thought it would happen to us. I wasn't thinking that way. And same for bullying. Um, I guess I knew there was such a thing going on with other kids, but you know, I experienced it. So I wasn't really taking a moment to think if I thought such a thing could happen because it did. So by the time I was thinking about those sorts of things, it was already happening to me here and there. And I think, you know, what could I have done differently? Well, you know, I think my dad did it like it took us getting burglarized twice, but he finally, you know, through financing or giving up a vacation or whatever it was to find the funds, he finally put in a security system. And after we put in that security system, we were never burglarized again. There may have been a couple of times somebody tried something, but that really fixed the issue. Just putting in the security system, shut that down. And I think relative to, and of course I had very little control of that. Um, because it was evident that no matter where I hid my money, it was going to get found. So my dad did the right thing there. And uh, we got serious about deadbolts and um, put in a security system and um, really were more vigilant. And I think he even hung up some uh, lighting on the back of the house. But as far as my bullying goes, um, I don't know what I would have done different. I guess if I had had control over my personality growing up, Maybe I would have exhumed or been more conscientiously aware that I needed to be or pretend to be someone or exude a personality that I didn't have. Or maybe the first time I got punched in the bathroom, I saw it off and knocked him out, right? Like if I had had that character in me at the time. Um, maybe. I don't know. The, the bullying part, I don't know. I think in retrospect, maybe I should have brought it to my parents and talked to them about it and kind of not turned it over to them, but at least made them aware of what I was going through. And maybe they could have helped me from the uh, parenting and administra school administration side. And, you know, these things have definitely shaped how I go about my own personal s safety. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm so vigilant about situational awareness, getting self-defense training, learning to shoot and continuing to shoot and teach firearms. Uh, everything I do, I can't say is directly attributed to these events in my childhood, but it gives me cause to make sure that these sorts of things likely not ever happen to me or my loved ones again. And so with that, I leave you with this. Don't ever think it can't happen to you. It can happen to you at any time, any place, no matter where you are. And we're fortunate that more bad things don't happen, but it can happen. And that's the point. And I hope you take that away from this, if nothing else. So now I've got my good friend Dennis on to tell his story. How are you, Dennis? Hey, Jim. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Getting cool again out there. It is. It was cold today. So, you know, we're talking about it can never happen to me, but you've got a story that's opposite of that, don't you? I do. I do. You know, as we've talked before, I served in the military and you know, being in the military, you would never think that something like this would happen to you, but um, yeah, and let's be clear, you were in the Marines too, right? 
I was in the Marine Corps. Yes, I was. I uh, had just come back from Beirut and um, was traveling between bases and um, we were in a pickup truck. And, uh, you know, guys driving decided to uh, pick up a hitchhiker and we was in a pickup truck and I was in the bed of the truck and the, and the hitchhiker got in the bed of the truck. Yeah. And while we was back there, he robbed me at gunpoint. So you're bebopping down the road between bases. I think you were telling me you're going from one base to go shoot at the rifle range at the other. And you're in the pickup truck. You got two of your Marine Corps buddies in the bed or in the uh, front in the cab of the pickup truck. You happen to be cruising in the bed. You decide to pick up a hitchhiker because you figure he's a Marine like everybody else usually on this road. And he gets in the bed of the truck and holds you at gunpoint. Yep, I had my bag with me, my little, uh, not a backpack, but a little ditty bag. That's what we call it. And I had all the stuff, pictures and stuff, because back then, you know, we was using cameras. I just had my film. Um, back in the day when there was still film. Film, yeah. I had my film developed, and I had my pictures of, of you know, my deployment. And um, he wanted my bag, and he robbed me at gunpoint. And when the truck slowed down, he jumped out. I told the guys what happened, and he took off running. So this cat gets in the bed of the truck with you. I assume you've talked and exchanged hellos or what's up, you know, whatever. And you're just sitting back there, and he reaches in his jacket. He reaches in a bag. Like, did you see it coming? Like, how did that all happen? No. So, yeah, let me paint the scenario for you a little bit because it was late at night. Right. Oh, so it was dark. dark. Yeah, it was dark. You know, I remember it being a little chilly, so I was kind of bungled up, and he got in, and he was kind of bungled up. Right. I was sitting with my back on the cab, and he was sitting toward the end of the bed, toward the wheel well. Yeah. And I had my bag there, and uh, um, you know, they were slowing down to let him out, and as we were slowing down to let him out, he pulled out a little revolver. I remember it was a little small revolver. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he told me, you know, give me a bag. And being young at the time, and I was, I was a Lance Corporal, I probably was no more than 21. Yeah. Wasn't, I wasn't as aware and trained, to be honest with you, as I am now. Cause, you know, Marine Corps doesn't train you for the type of training that we do now. You know, yeah. we're trained to just, you know, kill everything and let God sort them out. Right? I wasn't, <laughs> and my, my awareness level. <laughs> Situational you know, awareness was not a part of that plan. No, it wasn't part of the plan, right? <laughs> it wasn't yeah. situational awareness like like I have today. And, uh, you know, he, he robbed me. And I always remember that because, you know, when I look at my stuff now and think about my deployment, I really don't have some of the memories that I thought I, you know, wanted to have. Sure. Because they were, they were stolen. Yeah, they were in the bag, right? They were in the bag, yeah. And it really wasn't anything valuable in the bag and that was the thing about it it really wasn't anything valuable in the bag do you think that that was the first time that cat had pulled something like that along that stretch of road or do you think it was just timing him being there i mean clearly he's got to know where he's at and know that that's a corridor for marines (laughs) like he's got to be pretty brazen to make that choice do you think like, has he um, been successful in taking stuff before and got, you know, some money out of it and he figures it's hit or miss, but it's worth the risk? I mean, like, what do you think he was doing? You know, I can only assume, 
right? But I think that it wasn't his first time, and I think that every time he does it, it's opportunity, as most robberies are, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a crime of opportunity. So, but I don't think it was his first time, no. And I couldn't tell you if he was a Marine or not, yeah. right? Because he, you know, just because he's walking down that road, we weren't on base. Right. We were out in town get, going between bases. Yeah. Today, you can get between bases without leaving base. Back okay. in 1986, you had to go out <laughs> through town to get to, to the other bases. Yeah, they didn't even have paved roads in 86, did they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. So, so, but, you know, but just the point is, is that, you know, traveling that way and picking up hitchhikers subject you to pick up anyone. Yeah. Versus today, you can travel between bases. And if you decide to pick up a hitchhiker, which today you probably would never do that. Right, nor would there be a hitchhiker um, walking like that, but it's subject you to um, pick up anyone. So he could have been anybody, right? Yeah. But, you know, that's just something I would have never thought happened, and I don't even tell that story too often, to be honest with you, because it was so long ago that you know, I, I just I barely remember it. But you know, when you mentioned about you know it yeah, yeah. happened to you, you know, that's one of those things you wouldn't think would happen to you, you know. Yeah, it's mind-blowing to me whether the guy was a Marine or not, and hopefully he wasn't. But it's mind-blowing to me that that guy was so ballsy, so brazen to hit be hitchhiking, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, he's got to know what part of town he's in, so to speak. And therefore, he's got to know there's a good probability that Marines are going to be in the area. Him just to be hitchhiking a random vehicle – and then get into the vehicle. Do you think he realized the fact that he'd stumbled into a truck of Marines? Um, I don't know if he thought he did or didn't, but because, you know, it's Camp Lejeune, um, it's highly likely that, you know, he figured it would be Marines. Yeah. I mean, they're all over the place down there, right? Yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that? Yeah. Crazy. So, um, just to ask a few questions to follow up, did you see it coming? In retrospect, in the moment, did you see it coming? And in retrospect, do you think that you were like, oh, I should have paid attention to that? But did you see it coming? Um, I did not see it coming. And in retrospect, I, I have thought that, you know, I should have been more aware that it could have been worse than what it was. I mean, you yeah. know, um, he could have shot me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's got the gun, right? Right. I could have uh, been a knucklehead and been defiant, thought that, you know, you're not going to take my bag, and I could have lost my life off of some menial stuff. So yeah. I'm kind of glad it worked out the way it did, you know, but, you know, um, I wish I had was more aware. Yeah. Right? I, I wish that I know knew then what I know now about situational awareness. Yeah. Um, I can't even tell you. Yeah. I can't even tell you that I learned a lesson from it, you know, because again, I was young at the time. Right. Um, I just rolled with the punches. I got robbed. I lost my stuff. What's next? Just go with it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Just go with it. Right. Young Marine. Um, Marine, I know we kind of touched upon this, but 
at the time, you know, you said you were what, 21? Is that what you said? Yeah, probably 21. Um, two at the most. And I know you're a Marine. We talked about that. But at the time, would you have ever thought that something like that was possible and would have happened to you? No. No, because we was trained to be invincible. No. Oh, sure. Yeah. What do you think you could have done differently or uh, what would you do if, you know, now's different? You know, now's a different time. You've had time to reflect on that and learn a lot more about situational awareness and a lot of other skills. What would you have done differently if you could? Um, that's a good. That's a good question, right? Because now, and you know, that that's that would that could be a life changing difference because yeah, back then didn't carry, was no need to. You know, carrying wasn't like it is today for me. Um, so today. You know, I would have been armed. I probably, if they would have stopped, and I probably would have insisted they don't, but if they insisted to do so and so on, did get in the vehicle, I probably would have been at the ready. And I probably would have been watching a whole lot closer. And if he did draw a weapon on me, it probably would have turned into a gunfight because I would have been ready to draw also. Mm-hmm. Right. So it would have been one of those things of who got the first shot off in a bottle in a bottle yeah. location. Right. So, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I think, you know, today, if it would have happened, would I have tried it? Probably. I have to say that I probably, I probably would have. I probably would have tested my skills. Yeah. Well, you know, in my head, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, there's a good reason why for the last period of years, few decades, couple of decades, certainly, they recommend not picking up hitchhikers, right? That's like what comes to my mind immediately, like this is a good reason why you don't pick up perfectly good strangers off the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and back in the day, I used to do that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, there was a time where that was commonplace. I've, I've never done it, but I understand it was a time and place where picking up hitchhikers, you know, helping a brother out, so to speak, was commonplace. But probably a good cause, good reasoning for that not being such a good idea. Yep. Um, how has this, how did that event or how has this event, and I know you've got others too, but in this one particular, particularly, how has this event affected how you go about thinking about your personal safety? Okay, so back then it had no significant change, you know, other than, you know, I thought my could have got shot. Yeah. You know, but I just, you know, I bounced it bounced right off and I kept going. Um as I if I reflect back on it, you know, I think of that as one incident in my life where I should have been more aware. And, you know, I do reflect back on that, you know, in a way of thinking, well, you remember when this happened, right? Let's try not to let that happen again. Um, you know, and I could say that not necessarily hitchhiking, but being in a crowd, someone new um, comes up that I am not familiar with, you know, I'm right away on alert kind of looking at the hands and eyes sure right seeing seeing what's going on you know whether that person knows someone within the group or not you just never know and of course all according to where we're at at the time too 
Right. So um, I do reflect in, uh, from that. I think if I had to say I learned anything, I think that came from that from that um, experience. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I definitely have changed the way I look at things and how I react to certain things um, when when it comes up. You know, especially dealing with strangers. Yeah. Absolutely. Hopefully so. Right. Safer for it in the long run. Yep. Appreciate you doing this with me, man, as always. It's been good. Been a good chat. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Hey, I've got my good friend Tony on. And, you know, Tony and I go back a number of years. Tony, you probably have better recollection than me, but we actually met in high school. How long ago has that been? I've known you 35 years 35 since August. Years. August of 1985. Wow. And we became friends in the spring of 1986. So I've been aggravating you for over three decades now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it, aggravating. So, you know, we're here under the guise of talking about things that actually can happen to people. Um, you know, a lot of times people don't prepare for their personal safety or don't give their personal safety as much attention as they should. Because one of the main reasons is they think it can't happen to them. But you have a story to the contrary, and so uh, I want to talk to you about that. So have at it. Okay. Uh, synopsis is I grew up in a, in a suburb of a major city, um, you know, and burglary was an annual event at my house. I lived in the city limits. So it just became an annual thing, uh, and um, it was during the 1970s, so security – knowledge and things like alarms uh, weren't that readily available uh, like they are today. So we just accepted it as the status quo and um, had suffered losses in the tens of thousands of dollars, um, guns, uh, you know, jewelry, the usual um, burglary fare. And we just, we didn't like it, but we just came to accept it. So as the years went through, um, we had built up caution and um, certainly my father, which had a lot of valuable tools and stuff outdoors to protect them. You know, he'd put a security system up and so that became the norm for us. Yeah. And so, to be clear, I mean, we're talking about the, what is it? Uh, let me get my geographic uh, bearings. We're talking about the southeast side of Atlanta, right? To be clear. I mean, southwest. Southwest side of Atlanta. Southwest side of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, to be clear, there were parts of that area that were known for being rough and trouble-ridden. But, you know, some of us grew up in some parts of town like that. Right. And so our guard, our guard was up. And we took extra precautions, this and that, because we learned the hard way. It cost a cost us a lot of a lot of property, and was my father's hot button for sure. So, um, at the right at the millennium, I decided to move to move all of us, which my family had been there uh, since 1952. I decided it was for various reasons, time to have more space and a better environment. Yeah. Just so, get out of town. <laughs> just finally get out of town. Yeah. So, uh, we did that. We, we moved and right at the millennium and came down to, um, down to Fayetteville, Georgia, which is a you know, suburb and it's further out and it has a very rural feeling. Yeah. And, um, I've got woods behind me and, um, a horse pasture beside me. So, 
very relaxing environment. Totally you different. Know, yeah. Th- three acres. Yeah. You know. Um, nice. So nice. Wonderful. And you can probably see stars down there for the first time in your life when you got there instead of the glow of the city uh, where you were before. Just a whole different environment. Yeah. A few, st- few more stars. Still got yeah. the airport looming in the distance. But sure. yeah. So it was a very relaxed rural feel. Um, and, um, so we came down here and we settled in and, um, I'm an avid motorcyclist and have been since I was a little tyke. Yeah. So I came down here and I'd, um, been without motorcycles for a few years and I came down here and decided, well, I want to buy me some motorcycles. So I did that. And, um, I'm also an amateur mechanic. So this house has a barn in the backyard and uh, way off the road and somewhat secluded so yeah i would i would do mechanic work and some body work and this and that so i bought my motorcycles and put them in the barn and um it's relevant to the story because i'm not one you know i never rode the motorcycles around or paraded them around it was just back there and um one summer afternoon um i was at work and i drove a truck for work and my father calls me up and says hey did you move your motorcycles and i said yeah. uh no <laughs> he said well they're gone so what? you know it's like yeah what and my jaw hit the hit the steering wheel and i had to pull over and he, so they had been taken and um so now where were they? They were in the barn, right? They were in the barn that's back off your the back of your house in the backyard, right? Right. They're in the they were in the barn. Um I had had a car I was working on blocking them uh previously and felt they were safe, you know, so yeah. I'd moved the car out and uh within a day or two the bikes got gone and to the thieves um I had to walk into the yard and take them and walk into the yard again i'm on three acres so it's it's a bit of a walk you know i've got uh, woods yeah. behind me a horse pasture on one side uh and all my neighbors are more than 100 100 to 200 yards away from me so uh that took some doing to yeah. walk into the yard and and uh and look peek in and see that they were there and then take the opportunity so yeah. Uh, and and you were telling me, again. yeah, and you were telling me at one point in time, you were pretty certain that, you know, in the dew the next morning or whatever it was that you could see tire marks and <laughs> foot tracks and whatever. But the point is, is that in your new now country home out in the sticks, quiet, peaceful, more stars, larger chunk of property, things seemingly more quiet, you had two not one but two motorcycles taken out of that barn in the backyard yeah two and there were impressions tire impressions in the grass it was very clear yeah how how they took them sure. where they took them what their escape route was and all that it was yeah. right there in the grass literally so and and uh, to the no point question. that you've made that over the years i'm sure it was somebody that was aware and maybe watching you or casing you as they say uh, but it, they 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 took them out of the barn and and took both of them so it was probably more than one person otherwise they had to make a they had to make multiple trips to get the get the bikes 
Yeah, they, they took them in one trip. It had to be more than one person, and it had to be on foot. Again, they had to be pushed down terraces, across grass, yeah. and and a big yard. They had to be pushed by yeah. two individuals. 450, 480-pound um, motorcycles, not easy to push up and down terraces <clears throat> either way. <laughs> no, not so at all. So it had to be planned. You're trying. So it had to be yeah. planned because – Again, the car was there. It had been in there for weeks while I was working on it, and the bikes were shoved way in the back. Sure. So my guess is somebody had been doing some reconnaissance, came up to the barn, and at the time, I didn't have any blinds on the windows so they could look in. Yeah. Uh, there were there were no lights yeah. on the on the back of the property. So yeah. unfortunately, they had a bit of uh, too much privacy. So someone had to come in and see, okay, they're – now's the time and then they just they just got them so they had an advantage and they you know they probably had been casing the place for a while and knew the weaknesses and knew what was going on so you know that happened when you're out in the country in this peaceful place and this giant piece of quiet property uh you know did you see it coming did you ever think something like that would happen not at all not at all i totally dropped my guard moving down here after being on pins and needles and then coming down here to the country yeah. and I got horses for neighbors, you know, the wood, <laughs> yeah. the far, the animals, you know, the horses make great neighbors too, by the way. Yeah, they do. They are really wonderful and never saw it coming. Yeah. Never saw it coming. Totally blindsided. Would you have at the time and, you know, in retrospect and go, oh, yeah, I could totally see that happening because I learned it could happen. But at the time, did you ever have a thought that such a thing could happen? Perhaps in the back of my mind, again, coming from Atlanta, I knew the reality. I was very familiar with the reality. So it wasn't like my first burglary. So, yes, it was in the back of my mind, but no, no, no expectation. I expect hey i'm down here you know and it just totally caught me by surprise didn't yeah. think it would ha did not think it would happen yeah where well, you're down there on a peaceful piece of property big as it is things removed far back off the road stars out at night quiet just totally different where you come from you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think it would happen you know now looking back what might could you have done differently or what would you have done differently if, if you could go back or if you were thinking about things, what would you have done differently? Illumination, uh, the property, <laughs> because it sounds obvious, but illumination, the property, because it sits off the road, uh, there was no illumination at all, uh, on the property itself. It was very dark. Uh, certainly again, there's woods, there's a lot of privacy. So illumination, I would have lit it up immediately, which my father then after the fact proceeded to do motion detector lights, um, a security light. There's a telephone pole, uh, right off the corner of the house. We put up a security light that, um, like a street light. Yeah. So light, we, we lit it up. We lit up the entire outside of the property. Now, if I remember the story, too, and not to throw you under the bus, but I want folks to understand, you also didn't lock that barn, or you had a lock on there, but maybe didn't keep it locked all the time, like maybe you should have? That's correct. We had a padlock on the barn, but not a very 
not a not a big one uh, nothing like a construction grade it was a very mediocre lock and that is true um i did not go to check it every night because my father and i were both going in and out of the barn i made assumptions uh that he would lock it yeah. um i didn't bother to check things myself uh, again i call myself procrastinating thinking well i'll just you know we were going to put more security measures we were going to put lights out eventually but we just procrastinated you know we just yeah we're so in love with the place and relaxation from being out of the city to just totally procrastinate easy to drop your guard and rightfully so you're in a quiet peaceful place considering where you came from last question for you how has this affected how you think about your personal safety going forward? You know, all things considered this, this incident, how has it affected how you think about it and how you go about it? Uh, don't take it for granted. Be proactive. You know, there are a lot of little, very easy and inexpensive things that one can do like illumination. Uh, don't take it for granted. Uh, don't make assumptions. And there's a, interesting ad for security system on the radio that says it's better to be you know 30 days too early putting in security measures than one day too late so it's made me much more proactive about uh, about home security think the think about those things up front initially well this has been great i appreciate you coming on and telling your story you know again the point of this is is that it can happen to any of us at any given point in time and you know the key is the positive is is that hopefully it makes us think about and start doing some things differently than we might have previously to the incident so i appreciate you coming on and telling your story anytime my friend Hey, so I've got my good friend Dennis on to tell us his story. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Jim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you doing this. So what you got? What's your story, man? What's happened to you? Uh, well, this was a while back for me, but um, I um, was a manager back then at a retail store, and it, I believe it was a Tuesday, and it was my turn to close. It was one of those retail stores that had multiple managers, Yeah. and um, I was doing the close, and they said, well, we're going to grab drinks. If you want to meet us up, we'll be at so-and-such downtown. And, uh, you know, anyway, long story short, the the store, uh, the closing didn't go as planned. So I uh, took longer than expected, and I got there much later than expected. So parking at where they chose to meet downtown uh, isn't the greatest spot. There's no parking decks nearby. And yeah. you got to circle around, circle around. And- <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's one of those deals you're like, man, I wish I'd been here earlier. But um, I, a spot opened up, and I was waiting for a car to pull out, and a car pulled out. And I was in my little pickup truck, and a uh, car pulled out, and I pulled into the spot, and it was the only one. It was close by. I was happy. It was well lit. Yeah. And I was confident that it was a good spot. Yeah. So I get out. And, and to be clear, and just to, just to back up for just a second, this is Savannah, Georgia we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah which is, downtown Savannah. Which is known kind of in general for having a high crime issue. And I think at one point in time, and I don't know, I, I don't think I ever looked it up, but I understood at one point in time, it's been years ago, that Savannah had some of, if not the highest crime per capita in the U.S. just because the 
population is so dense. So it's kind of a known, it has a reputation is what I'm trying to yeah. say. But anyway, you said that you said that exactly right per capita. So that downtown area, it spikes crime really bad. Um, there's a lot of areas around downtown that are outskirts, like the islands and other places sure. that, uh, just the opposite. So in that one particular area of Savannah, it's concentrated crime. So I did, you know, kind of have my guard on in regards of, you know, Hey, you know, always, I've always been told growing up there that if you ever go downtown, you know, don't go alone, don't go at night. And right. what was I doing? I was going to meet friends <laughs> and alone <laughs> and alone. <laughs> but the good, the good news was, um, the parking spot wasn't far at all from my, where I was meeting them at, you know, basically across the street, maybe a three minute walk, if that. Yeah. So, um, and you said you were in a well lit parking lot too. Yeah. Well, it was, it wasn't really a parking lot. Then downtown Savannah, they have streets. And yeah, yeah. When a car pulls out, you pull in and sure. there was actually a street light not far away. So there was, it wasn't totally pitch black, which in many cases, that is the case where it's, it's pitch black yeah, wherever yeah. you park. Yeah. So I was happy about that. Um, so, so yeah, I got there. I got a spot, and I'm still kind of in a hurry state, which I'm because I'm late. I didn't want to miss out on the first round. Yeah, and 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 meet everybody, and uh, we don't get to go out much in that time when sure. I was working. But uh, anyway, I uh, stepped out of my truck, and um, I'm looking over my shoulder, and I noticed there was someone walking up to me, and so I quickly, you know locked my truck, closed it, and I turned around and looked right at the person to let them know, hey, I'm, I'm seeing you. And it turned out to be a homeless person, which once I got to see them, I realized that. And they were like asking me for some change. Sure. And I don't ever carry cash for this very reason that you carry cash, you know, then you, you could you could draw trouble. Um, plus, back then I used to leave my wallet sitting around. Yeah, you know, where's my wallet? Looking for it. So I never carried cash. Always card. Yeah. And I, I tried to politely explain to the person, I'm sorry, I don't have cash. Um, I only have card. Um, and this was uh, right after you parked. Yeah, it was like the guy actually I think was approaching me before. It was a parallel parking situation. Yeah, yeah. And the guy actually was waiting for me to get out of the car. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, and, yeah, and and I saw it as soon as I stepped out and turned to lock the door that um, they were walking towards me. And that's when I kind of was like, okay, I need to address this person because I don't want to be walking away as they're coming towards me. So I, you know, I, I basically looked right at them Yeah, and uh, let them you know, know I, that, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if something was being planned to go sour, they knew they weren't going to get a jump on me, but um, turned out to be a homeless person and they, they weren't rude. They just were, you know, asking for change. And I just said, I'm sorry. I, I don't have anything but plastic on me. Um, you know, I'll get you next time if I can. And, um, I went ahead and walked inside and the person walked on by the other direction. And I didn't think twice about it at the time. I got inside and found my friends and they were already seated and they were getting their first order or second, probably by that point. Right. Um, you were late, running late. <laughs> exactly. So they were like, you're here. I'm like, yeah. Um, I had to use a restroom cause I hadn't gone cause I was running late. And so, um, I got my order in before I hit the restroom and, uh, went to the restroom coming back out. And some just told me, I don't know that little voice in my head. So, you know what? 
need to go check on your truck. Something ain't right. Yeah. Something ain't right. It's been five, 10 minutes. And so I, I decided to walk back outside and, um, you know, go take a look. And sure enough, (laughs) when I got back out there, the, uh, the passenger side window had been smashed in and bashed pretty good. And the, um, the so they actually, they didn't open the door cause you'd left it unlocked or something. They had actually smashed in your window. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I wasn't devastated so much in regards to the vehicle being damaged. It just was, you know, frustration over anything. Yeah. And you know, it, and my, what, the initial thing that went through my mind was, well, it's, it, probably was that homeless person and you know i did make a police report and that's when i found out when i made the police report i found out that yes it was because they they said you're like the fifth person this week Mm. to to make a report in this particular spot so i in fact even walked around in the bushes area and i found the rock they were using they would use it and then stash it in the bushes every single time Mm. So it was a repetitive thing yeah, and, yeah. and they, they didn't find anything in there. You know, they found, um, some cologne. They found, uh, one of those chair warmers. You plug into your cigarette lighter yeah, and it yeah. warms your bum. And, uh, what else actually, believe it or not, um, I had at that time, um, cast a paycheck and I don't norm I don't ever do it now ever again, but I had money put in an envelope and put it up in the, um, uh, the visor mm. and the envelope in the visor closed up high yep. and they, that's the one place they didn't ransack the truck and, and thank God it was still there. It was a good little amount of money. And once I saw that, that freaked me out more than anything that that could have been taken. <laughs> that, that could have been taken and I've got all the crap, the seat warmer and the cologne of all the stuff that got <laughs> taken or could have gotten taken. Like they left the cash. And so, you know, that makes me think they were in a hurry and just didn't have time or whatever. Yeah. They were looking for smash and grab versus smash and Hey, let's look around in here and see what we can find. Right. You got lucky mm-hmm. in that regard. I got very lucky. And yeah. I was grateful for that. I mean, I was upset and it took me like a week to cool down, but you know, later on I realized it could have been worse. Could have been um, worse. Yeah. Could always been worse. So, yeah. um, but yeah, so I went back in, I told everybody, Hey, I got to go. I can't, I, I'm just not gonna, I'm, I'm going home at this point. Cause I got to get, so, you know, that kind of killed the night, but I learned a lesson that day and, you know, it, it's more or less, if you have that voice in your head, don't, don't excuse it, listen to it because if, if there's a possibility that, that something's not right, you know, and, and, and I didn't mention it, but even after I parked there and got approached by a guy, something told me, Hey, go, go move your truck. Don't leave it there. Cause yeah. they're not happy with you. So you just know. I just, yeah. So moral of the story, if there is one, if you have a voice, listen to it in your head, a gut feeling, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I think there's so two, mine, gr- no, go ahead. I say mine just came a little late. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, and I think you make a couple of, well, indirectly, indirectly, you make a couple of good points. One is, which is not all the case, always the case for car incidents is that you actually had your truck doors locked. And so oftentimes when situations occur with vehicles are involved, believe it or not, people have left their doors unlocked. And on top of that, they've left things of value out in clear sight, which is never good to do in a vehicle. But 
Yeah. It's yeah, but you make where, you make you do make the other point now that I, now I know. So the first thing is is that you locked your doors, and so you weren't typical in that regard. And then you know the other thing that you point out on your own is that you should listen to your intuition and everyone always talks. It seems like that women are the ones that are in tune to their intuition and their gut, but I think it works for guys too. And it's important you listen to it because you never know. And if it's nothing, it turns out to be nothing. It's nothing. And that's great, but you should always listen to your intuition. And that's a great point that you make. Um, just to ask you a few questions here to wrap things up. Um, did you see it coming? And I think I know the answer to that, but uh, yes and no. Like I said, I had a little gut feeling I should I shouldn't have parked there after I got approached. Um, it, I think if I had cash on hand to give to the person, even whatever it might be, five dollars, whatever a dollar, I, I might have been a little more confident they wouldn't have broken into my vehicle. Although you shouldn't have to pay someone not not to break into sure. your vehicle. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if I had to listen to that little voice, perhaps I would have moved, and that wouldn't have happened. Um, it, it, it would it happened. It just ate away at me as as I went into that yeah. um, place, and and when I went to the restroom, I kept thinking about it. I kept thinking about it. I'm it was like, yeah. bothering you, yeah. It was bothering me, yeah. So it got it built up enough to where I went back, and unfortunately, you know, I just ignored it a little too long. Yep. And if I had listened ahead of time, but thank yep. goodness it was just something as simple as a break, and it wasn't something like you know trying to rob me in person yep. or, you know, which yeah, could have been well a lot could worse. Have happened. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, would so, you have thought such a thing could have happened to you at the time? No, at the time. I mean, it, it was one of those things where it's like, Oh, that'll never happen to me. That's the typical of everyone. So, and that's the way I felt too. I'm in a hurry. There's a spot. Let me just go in. It, it'll be fine. You know? Yeah. So that, that's kind of what I was leaning on. And then of course that little feeling came around and yeah. I wish I had listened to it sooner, but sooner. you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what might you have done differently or what would you have done differently if you had to do it all over again? Uh, not have been such in a hurry to, to find a good safe parking spot. If you know you're going to park in an area that does have issues, um, don't, don't necessarily settle for that spot that gets you there. Um, maybe it could have went to a parking deck, you know, where they had security if there was one around. But I think where I was at the time, there wasn't one close by, but, um, I uh, listened to that voice, you know, I could have, I could have reparked. Um, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. If I had to do it over, I would have said, listen to that voice and park somewhere else. It might've taken me another half an hour to find another spot at that point though. And I think that's what was pushing me just to go ahead and leave it there and not worry about it. Cause yeah. You want to believe that everything's good, so you're like, I'm here, I'm in a well-lit area, I'll go in and meet my buddies, but something deep down inside said, mm, something's off here. Yeah. Um, last question, how has this uh, affected how you think about your personal safety, or has it? Like, how Did it change anything that you do today? Like, How does it made you think differently about your personal safety? Yeah, I, when um I go to places that kind of are on a red flag radar kind of thing. If you know you're going to go to a downtown place that you already know has potential to be dangerous, um, I'll definitely go to a parking deck, even if it means I got to walk a long time to get where I'm going. And some people will say, well, now you're walking. Isn't that just as dangerous? I'm like, well, it all perspective. If you're walking in a group of people, yeah. If I was by myself, maybe it was better to let my car get broken into and park close by. But I always try to weigh it out. And um, if I have that voice 
regardless of where I'm parked or whether I should be walking, or even if I shouldn't even go there that night, I'll listen to it. You know, if you have that gut feeling that you know something just ain't right, this don't feel right. Yeah, I'll just listen to it. You know, yeah. Um, you know, what harm can you do to yourself or others by listening to that little voice or gut feeling that says, hey, this, this don't feel right. Yep. Just be cautious. A little extra so, hassle, a little extra time, right? That's it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's more inconvenience, but in the end, you know, it's a safer outcome. So. Well, Dennis, I appreciate you coming on and telling me your story, man. This has been good well, stuff. thanks for having me. So thanks I for doing you this. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Hello again. I've got my good friend Lauren on with us, and actually, she's also my coworker. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Doing good. Appreciate you coming on and doing this. So you've got a story for us. I do. So, yeah. Um, it all happened a long, long time ago. So long um, ago. I know. Actually, it was a very long time ago. Yeah. Um. So I was in high school. And um, did a lot of babysitting jobs and everything. And my mom at the time was in a uh, in a band and they were off at a gig. And so the grandmother, uh, we were babysitting at the grandmother's house. And right next door was the aunt's house. Well, the grandmother had a pool. And so we were kind of going back and forth between both of the houses, playing at the pool at the grandma's and then um, taking the kids back over to play at the other house. To the aunts. Mm-hmm. And are these people you knew or just contracted oh, yeah. out babysitting no, no, clients? <laughs> no, they um, it was actually family friends. So okay. some of them were actually in the band with my mom. Oh, wow. And uh, so it was like their kids. Yeah. So you knew. And, uh, so I knew him really well. Yeah. And um, so there was probably like five kids, all of them under the age of like eight. And um, so we were going back and forth between the two houses all day. And we come back over to the aunt's house to fix some lunch and let the kids watch a movie, maybe take a nap. And. So we're sitting, the kids are in the living room. They're sitting there and I see this guy come to the door and it had one of those, um, hurricane doors yeah, on yeah. it. So it was kind of the double. Sure. And one of the girls gets up, she runs over to the door, she sees him and she's almost about to open the door. And I ran over there and I slammed it shut and she goes, that's <laughs> my, our neighbor. I was like, yeah, but I don't know him. Right. And I asked him through the door, hey, can I help you? And he goes, I need to use your phone. And Mm. I could tell he was like acting really weird. Like he just looked off. Yeah. And um, they have a peephole in the door. No, I mean, it was a glass door. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Storm door. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm talking to him and he's like, I need to use your phone. This this kid who I guess was mentally disabled had been walking up and down the street all day. And I had noticed him just bouncing a basketball up and down the street Yeah, and uh, literally all day. (laughs) And I guess I had gotten on his nerves and he's like, I need to use your phone because I'm about to kill that kid. And I was like, what? Um, and just about as soon as he said that I happened to, 
look over in my peripheral and he, there was a shotgun. He had a shotgun with him. And I was like, either. So this dude's at your front door at the time at your aunt's house and you've got kids you're looking after and he shows up wanting to use the phone and happens to have a 12 gauge on him. Mm -hmm. Wow. And he was like, he was obviously hiding it, leaning it up against the corner of the porch, Hmm. like trying to kind of keep it out of view. Yeah. And so I was like, well, sir, I think you have a phone at your house. So maybe you should go use that one. And he's like, no, I need to use your phone. Mm. And at that point, I, one of the older girls, I said, take the kids upstairs. And so she gathered up the kids, said, we're going to go take a nap and took them up. There was two ways upstairs. There was a a stairwell, like right at the front, right in front of the front door. And then there was a stairwell that was that went through the kitchen. Sure. Both went upstairs. Yeah. And so I said, take them through the kitchen. And so she led all the kids upstairs. And I said, you take them into the bonus room and lock the door. Get them out. Yeah. And so um, she takes kids upstairs. And I'm trying to talk to the guy. And I said, you need to go use the phone at your house. And that. I closed the front, the main door. Hmm. So it was, it was a metal door. Thank goodness. But it still had like this, um, that decorative glass in the middle of it. Oh boy. Yeah. And so as soon as I closed the door, he's banging all over the door and he's like, I'm going to fucking kill that kid. And I need to use your phone. You better fucking let me in. Oh, wow. And I run, I, I run through upstairs to the kids and I realized I forgot the phone and that was before like I didn't have a cell phone right? and everything was on the landline still and I come down through the kitchen looking for the phone and I realize it's on the side table right next to the couch that is right in front of the front door right that he's banging on yeah yeah and so I go back upstairs, come back down through the stairwell and just kind of like grab the phone and head back upstairs to where the kids are. And I mean, I can hear this guy. It sounds like he was about to break down the door. Breaking down the front house. Yeah. Front and of at the this house, point, yeah. He's, yeah. At this point, he's just irate and mm-hmm. he's like threatening to kill us basically. So what happened? And so I, I'm go back upstairs and I, I go back into the room with kids. And I start calling 911. And 911, I had to try three different times because I kept getting a busy signal. Yep. It's happened to and me a couple of times. It's the scariest thing. I'm just like, we're going to die. If he gets in this house, we're dead. And finally, I get through. And within five minutes, thanks to Oakwood PD, like they showed up within about <laughs> five minutes. And I'm looking through the uh, top window. And he's they're getting him off the front porch. His hands are behind his head. And everything, and they come into the house and they make sure we're all okay and everything. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just shock, but I was just kind of like, okay, well, um, I'm going to call my mom and just say they need to come on home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just be cool. Yeah. So I just like, I called my mom and I was like, yeah, so there was kind of an incident. We had to call the cops. Everybody's fine. But if you could just come on home and they come, 
they finally get there about 20 minutes later. And they, I mean, there was about eight to 10 cops sitting on the front lawn. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's a party. Yeah. Yeah. And my parent, my mom was just freaking out. And so is all the rest of the families. And they were just like, oh my God, like crying, thinking somebody had yeah. died. I'm like, no, we're all good. We're good. So the cops but, came and took the guy away and that yeah, was the end of it. Did out. you ever hear anything about it? Turns out he, he was an alcoholic mm. and he did. He lived right across the street mm. and he was, um, he, apparently he had a reputation, him and his wife, they would both get drunk and just be out on the front lawn yelling and threatening Crazy each other stuff. all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, so, uh, he just got drunk, got annoyed with the kid walking up and down the street and <laughs> for no good reason, came over to the house and was just like threatened to kill us all. That's crazy. So how, I know you said you were in high school. How old were you, do you think? Maybe 16. Yeah. Yeah, I had to have been about 16. Yeah, that's a pretty traumatic event for 16-year-old. How did you have the wits about you to know to close the door? You said the the kid that you were looking after was opening the door because she recognized him as being the neighbor or whatever across the street. How did you have the wits about you to close the door and talk to him through the door and then tell your aunt or whoever to get the kids upstairs and go up the back way. Like, how did you figure all that out at 16? I just, I like, I had a feeling it was just kind of that gut feeling like, Oh, something's not right. He doesn't look. Mm. Yeah. I could tell right away. Yeah. But how'd you know to do what you did? I don't know. It just kind of kicked in. Like maybe it was because my dad's a Marine. And he taught me and my sister how to kill a person in about six different ways by the time we got in the garden. Yeah, life of a Marine. Right? So it was just kind of like hyper awareness was drilled into us from a very early age. And it was like, this is what you do. Think strategically. Their yeah. knee goes that way. You want it to go that way. Yeah. You know, it's like, don't just hyper awareness, I think, just kicked in. Yeah. You touch on two things that, you know, I've emphasized and we talk about quite a bit is, you know, listen to your intuition, listen to your gut. And, you know, it's not just women that have intuition and gut feelings, whatever, something, your spidey senses, whatever you want to call it for yourself that everyone has. And you need to pay attention to that. And then, you know, in your case, it helped that you had a parent that was vigilant and wanted to instill in his kids, you know, being extra alert, Mm -hmm. knowing what to do. Um, Just to ask you a few questions. um, Sure. Did you see it coming at all? Did you see this situation coming at all? No. I mean, the town I grew up in was really quiet. Like, yeah. nothing ever happened. I'm, I mean, I I was aware that, you know, domestic disputes happen everywhere sure. you go. But, yeah. um, you know, I'd been in that neighborhood so many times, and I knew that family I knew that neighborhood and it was a nice neighborhood. It wasn't it like there were no rundown houses that didn't look sketchy in any way. Yeah. So it was never just thought. like, no, but I'd never seen that guy before. And I knew immediately something was off. Something was off. Yeah. Did, did you, or would you have ever thought that something like that could have happened where you were at that time? Mm, no, not at all. Cause I mean, we had been going back and forth between the two houses literally all day we've been playing in the pool all day like we were just happy go lucky just yeah having a nice day sure and then all of a sudden out of the blue guy shows up and i'm like 
ooh, this is about to go down. Yeah, so it sounds like you had your wits about you, and of course, some of it's combined with luck, like you know, some of the times it is. Mm-hmm. But um, what might have you have done? You know, looking back at it and us talking about this and getting prepared for this, what would you yeah. may have done differently, or what maybe would you have done that you didn't done that after all this time goes by, you were like, ah, I should have done that. I think at some point, like whenever I told, when I knew it was real like this was not good like this was about to be possibly a life or death situation yeah that when i told um one of the girls to take the kids upstairs i started kind of losing it just a little bit because i forgot the phone and i was like if i had just held it together just a little bit longer i could have just grabbed that phone and probably saved us a few more minutes yeah you know and so yeah. that's probably the only thing. But other than that, I like I didn't know any. I, I don't think I could have done anything else different. Yeah. Because I mean, it was just another day. I was just taking the kids to go get some lunch, watch a movie, and then this guy shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. How has this impacted or affected how you think about your personal safety, or has it? Um, I'm still hyper aware. <laughs> um, I don't think that's ever going to go away, just yeah. because. Of my dad. Nor should um, it. No. So I think when I was living down in the city, I could definitely tell it was like it got heightened. Yeah. And especially after that, like, I don't know, maybe I kind of pushed it out of my mind. But then there were other things just being down in the city that yeah. just kind of like made it go back up and kind of brought it back to the forefront. Me and like, remember that happened? Okay. You don't want stuff like that to happen again. Yeah. Like always, always be aware. Yeah. Absolutely. Good point. Lauren, thanks for coming on doing this with us. Anytime. I'll do it again. If you ever ask. Thanks. Hey, this time I've got my good friend Raymond on. How long have we known each other, man? I was trying to think today. Is it 99 or 2000? Uh, it was uh, 2000. 2000. Yeah. Long time. 20, 20 long drawn out years knowing your ass. Uh, thanks for doing this with me. So uh, my pleasure. you've got a story. What tell us about it. So I was at my uh, usual favorite bar, just hanging out, uh, knew the bartenders, knew the, uh, you know, the manager. And then there was this cute little girl that was working behind the bar, yeah. you know, waitress, bartender, she's walking around and I'm kind of looking at her and checking her out. Yeah. And how long ago was this? How long ago was this? Uh, you know, I can't remember exactly how long it was definitely, you know, uh, 10 plus years ago. Been a while. Yeah. Been a while, sure. Yep. So, looking at this girl walking around, taking care of customers and stuff, and there was these two guys across the bar that was kind of giving me like the dirty look. I I just didn't think anything of it. I was just checking out the girl. Uh, And then later on that night, the guys leave. And then, you know, a few minutes later, I, you know, I cash out my tab and I leave. So, I head to my car, about ready to open my door, and I get sucker punched by this dude. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And it was that those two guys that was across the bar that was giving me the dirty looks. Now, the guy that who hit me, obviously, you know, I freaking hit him and, and you know, freaking took him down. Sure. And I, I kind of let him go to figure out, like, what the hell is going on? I was also keeping an eye on his buddy, see if he's going to step in. Um, right. So just and then all of a sudden, he just like started to like head for my car like it was going to damage my car or something and i'm just like oh hell no so i freaking you know took him down again i reached out for him took him down put him in a headlock and just freaking choking him out 
And next, you know, he started to like reach over like my face and try to gouge my eyes out. So I freaking tilt my head up and bit his freaking fingers. And all the while I'm trying to watch his friend to make sure that his friend is not like trying to jump in, you know, yeah, not, engage, do yeah. I have one fight or do I have to engage and have to do a double fight? Yeah. So like, you know, I, I, I held him out there, bit his finger. And then I was like, are you done? I mean, he wouldn't respond. So I freaking tightened it up some more. I'm like, are you done? I mean, I kept asking him like three, four times. He finally is like, yeah, I'm done, done, you know, as best as he can as I'm choking him out. <laughs> it's kind of hard to talk. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I let him go and I'm like looking at him. I'm like, what is your damn problem? He didn't respond. His uh, buddy just like got him and they walked away. Mm. So I went back into the bar. I was just like, yo, dude, I just got freaking jumped. I need a flashlight because I can't find my keys. I can't find my glasses <laughs> because they all flew off. So I just got my ass beat, man. Yeah, basically, you know, well, I didn't get my ass beat, but no, I definitely no. got a sucker punch. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it. So you're at this bar. How long had you been there when you noticed these two dudes? Uh, you know, they were there when I got there. Okay. And so... um they just stayed at the other end of the bar and were staring at you all night. Like what, yeah, what was up with that? Think of like a horseshoe bar. They're on the corner and I'm on one of the sides, you know, yeah, yeah. uh, there, they were already there drinking. I got there, you know, order some food, had some drinks, checking out the, the new waitress that is, you know, that's started working there. She's walking around serving different tables and stuff. And, you know, she kept walking by those guys. So I kept looking at her. So I don't know those guys thought I was looking at him and checking him out or whatnot. Uh, all I know is he kept looking at me and then like, you know, gave me a dirty look like I'm looking at him or something. I have no idea. You think it my was... Guess, my guess, he was homophobic and he just thought like I was checking him out and got all upset mm. about that. that. That's my guess. Till this day, I have no idea. It could be that he was drunk b it could be that he didn't like you watching the girl that he wanted to be watching or had been in there watching before talking to before or whatever who only knows what motivates people so you you've been there for however long you've been there you ate, had some drinks these two cats are down the bar from you you're watching this bartender waitress whatever whoever she is they're giving you dirty looks and you pretty sure it's you you're you that they're looking at and when you get ready to leave you get outside partially you get to your car you're almost to your car and one of these two guys just walks up and punches you in the back of the head or what did he do exactly so I, it's definitely looking at me for sure because i'm i'm the only one on that side of the bar oh, okay nothing behind me but the wall <laughs> must uh, have been some so, nice artwork so just as i you know I, I literally got out of the bar, yeah. down a few couple of staircases, across the parking lot to my car, and was about to open the door of my car. So you're almost there. Did you know I, that? I am there. I'm opening the car. Next thing you know, I get punched. You know, I, I wouldn't say the back of my head, but like sideways across my, you know, my yeah. cheeks, chin, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, it could have been obviously drinking's probably involved when you're at the bar, potentially. I mean, it could have been just racially motivated. Who only knows? It's hard to speculate. Uh, did you see 
did you see them come out with you or was it not until you got hit that you realized it was they were out there and it happened to be those same two guys so i did not see them they had already left before i did oh so, okay so they were outside know, yeah as far as i know they're gone so i walked outside you know the parking lot's pitch black there's no lights anywhere i'm walking you know there's a couple lights in the back um back of the building but i'm on the side of the building where the exit was right now i'm walking out i didn't really pay attention you know yeah yeah same bar that i go to almost two three times a week you know i know the joint right i'm walking out the same park lot so it sounds like they may have gone out to wait on you oh absolutely so was there anything like that you did at the gas station before you got to this bar and maybe they were at the gas station and you did something cut them off or no no jumped no. in front I, of them like there was no, no. It was just two dudes at the bar when you got there and they were just eyeballs messing with you from the time you sat down so they were already at the bar so i didn't meet them anywhere they were already there they already had drinks in their hands so oh. i have no idea how long they were there yeah far as them eyeballing me i didn't notice anything until probably like 20 30 minutes into it because i'm drinking and eating and checking out yeah you know yeah. checking out the waitress yeah, yeah. so you know as i check out the waitress but she's you know handing customers behind them mm. right so i'm checking her out so i you know i'm, I'm overlooking these guys it, it must be your things. intimidating stare that they took offense to raven <laughs> Maybe, maybe. You know, you know, you, know, you got so that. You got that Korean power behind you, so maybe <laughs> they took offense to that. Trust me, if I was getting them an intimidating look, it would have been much more different than me look overlooking their, uh, you know, their shoulders, checking out the girl going like. Yeah, well, you know, at distance, it's hard to know what someone's looking at. All you can tell is that they're looking in your direction sometimes, true. right? But true, true. Um, it could have been anything. It could, you know, guys gunning for a fight, a little alcohol in the mix. One of the guys could have thought it was his girl you were looking at, or maybe they thought you were looking at them trying to intimidate them and start stuff um who knows yeah who knows it's all speculation at this point yeah 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 no it's it who knows it's just craziness can happen anywhere for any time which is why we're here talking uh just to ask you a few questions um sure. thinking back on stuff did you see it coming i mean yeah, yeah they were staring at you throughout the night but that doesn't mean that they're gonna engage in a fight or try to jump you in the parking lot did you see it coming no i did not see it coming would you know you said it was your watering hole right your bar that you frequented at least some uh, would you have ever thought such a thing could have happened at the time no absolutely not there's there's even a bouncer at the door he just happened to walk in because you know most of the customers had already left yeah yeah um looking back on the situation is there something you think you might have done differently or could have done differently either to you know either it was in your avoidance strategy or your fighting back strategy like is there anything you would have changed about the situation or done differently a uh, strategy wise fighting strategy no i wouldn't have done everything uh, different uh, you know basically you know i got them got close hit them took them down you know typical stuff 
yeah. uh, far as maybe trying to avoid the situation, possibly. I mean, I could I could have walked over to those guys and say, hey, man, is she pretty hot or what? I mean, try to strike some type of conversation. I, I guess I could have done that. But, uh, you know, th- they seemed like they were kind of on their own and didn't want to be bothered. So, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, not looking to make friends in the bar. Yeah, exactly. At least not with dudes on the other side of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the bar wasn't that busy and yeah. it's not that big, you yeah, know. Right. It's um, also very not well lit. This this situation when you go out cuz I know you, you go out still quite a bit. Has this how has this situation affected how you think about or go about your personal safety? Has it changed anything for you? Uh, no, not necessarily. You know, obviously, you know, that whole shortly after for an X period of time, I was obviously a little bit more diligent about my surroundings. Yeah. Um, but you know, that was years and years ago that, that kind of diligence has really, uh, dropped. Uh, but after being, you know, overseas and down in the war zone and coming back, my diligence has kind of picked up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it just really depends, I guess, on the situation. If it's like a, a whole big crowd, I'm kind of looking, but not really looking, right? Yep. If it's, you know, if there's somebody that's kind of like a medium-based crowd and there people could charge at me or something, yeah, I'm going to de- definitely take a look a little bit here and there. So, so you're paying more attention than you probably might have otherwise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's been a good story. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing it with us. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. So I want to thank you for listening to this episode. I know there's a lot of options and choices out there and podcast land for you to listen to. If you liked what you hear, heard here today, I encourage you to go back and listen to our other 32 podcasts. We're almost at three years. We release one about once a month on average. A lot of good information out there. And if you really like what you hear, uh, on our podcast, be sure and tell your friends and family and leave us that five-star review uh, when you have the opportunity. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon.